contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. No, they are not. <laughs> Today on The Lab Report, Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton. You might know her from Emerson Ecologics or her practice, Hello Fertility. I know her from Bastyr University. I know you do. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. It's pretty windy out there. You gotta protect those curls when you go out. What are you talking about? You need extra, extra gel. Are you referring to my hair right yes. now? Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you? I'm a little bit windblown. No, oh, weather talk, huh? <laughs> We're going to start off the show with weather talk. We can talk sports if you'd like. <laughs> no, how about we start off with uh, this is a podcast mm. called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you, Genova. And it's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and precision in functional medicine. That's right. And if you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for all of your support. We really appreciate mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and perhaps subscribed to this little show. Maybe rate, review, so, you know, all share with your friends, download all the, stuff. All the things that we request uh, to help us, right? right? To, sh- mm-hmm. to spread the good word. That's right. And so uh, if you have feedback, other words to share with us, uh, mm-hmm. that would be a podcast at gdx.net is the email address that you can send your feedback to. The other thing you can do is follow us on social media oh, at yeah. Genova Diagnostics. Oh, yeah. A lot of shenanigans going on on Instagram there. Yes, another another place for shenanigernity. <laughs> Is that a word? Sh- shenanigans. Shenanigans. Wow, that just caused my brain to come to a screeching halt. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about fertility and approaches to fertility because we're having on Dr. Jacqueline Chassie Smeaton, and she is a, an expert on an integrative approach to fertility. And it's really awesome to have this topic come up. I We've kind of danced around it a couple of times yeah, here and there and, and talked about how to support overall, but this is going to really, I think, hit this head on. You know, and we've known Jacqueline for quite some time. And it's always cool when your friends are wicked smart in a specific topic and they're experts in the field. It is cool. It's kind of cool in the way of like, why are they friends with me? <laughs> why am I, why is this person allowing <laughs> communication with me? Right. But that being said, she lectures everywhere. Internationally, she teaches. She's got her own practice with um, a mentorship program. So she's really well versed on this topic and she can talk about just about anything off the cuff, but this happens to be her baby, pun intended. Wow. I mean, that deserves like a, s- several of these, well, I think. Step away from the world, Michael. Well, well, those are kind of new. A little bit of a departure from our prior sound effects. This is more of a Looney Tune type vibe. Yeah, yeah. I came <laughs> to me in a shower. I was like, why, yeah, the, why do we not have any, boing, 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 boing. any of these <laughs> sliders? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Maybe we should just get Jack. Yeah, good idea. Patty. Finally. I know, right? Finally. I know. So we have Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, and let me tell you <laughs> how excited I am first and foremost. I know. But also, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton. 
who is Emerson Ecologics Vice President of Medical Education and Wellevate. She earned a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Molecular Biology from the University of New Hampshire and a Doctorate of Naturopathic Medicine degree from Bastyr University. Yay! She then went on to pursue advanced training in women's health and infertility. And prior to her work at Emerson, Dr. Smeaton was a solo practitioner who built her practice into a 15-clinician multidisciplinary clinic. Wow. She currently still maintains a virtual clinical practice, Perfect Fertility, and Dr. Smeaton lectures and teaches internationally and is considered a preeminent expert in integrative and functional medicine and the approach to infertility. And with that... Welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you both. Yay. Yay, We're excited too. We've known Jacqueline quite some time, but for those listeners who don't know Jacqueline Smeaton... If there are any. I know. They might live under a rock somewhere. (laughs) Can you tell us about your journey to integrative and precision medicine and then maybe more specifically why you chose to focus on fertility and women's health? Yeah. So, I mean, I think my journey started like a lot of integrative practitioners, which is a personal experience or personal story. And for me, it happened when I was a teenager and I never got my period. Is this hmm. TMI? Can I share this level of detail? <laughs> it's fair day. Go for it's it. up to you. <laughs> I think you're both doctors. I don't know about our listeners. But when I went in to see it was a nurse practitioner at the time, she was fantastic. But the solution that she had was to put me on a pill, the birth control pill. And so I said, well, what about later on in life when I want to have kids? And she said, well, don't worry, we will take you off the pill and we have medicines that can help you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was only about 16 at the time, but that experience really stood out to me as the first time I remember thinking this is broken. Mm -hmm. Um, remember thinking, wow, why does no one want to spend time figuring out why something that my body should do on its own isn't happening? Mm -hmm. Um, And instead they want to just write me a prescription. And it felt so inadequate, even for me at 16. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, so at that point I knew I wanted to pursue medicine, but the more I learned about it, the more I realized that that model of like a pill for an ill existed across all areas of medicine. And it just felt like I wanted to be more inquisitive and I wanted to get to the bottom of things. And, and I felt like disease must not just be a random incidence, but that there must be some kind of underlying reason that people get infertility or, you know, amenorrhea or diabetes or anything else. And so that really led me down the path of integrative and precision medicine. And, you know, I've always been interested in women's health, but the reason why I love it for my clinical practice is it's one of the areas in medicine where there are very few solutions for most illnesses. Like if you look at medications that gynecologists use, it's basically a lot of different oral contraceptive pills that are slightly different. There's not a lot of options available. It's basically the pill or surgery. Um, And so it's an area where there's a huge amount of need and, and it's remarkable you know, when you go through school, how many other solutions are out there to help balance women's hormones that don't require overriding them. Mm-hmm. And so it's an awesome place to practice because I'm working with women who feel at their wits end. And then it's like opening a door to like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory yeah. where there's like so many great <laughs> solutions inside. Awesome. Do you have any thoughts or hypotheses on why that is that uh, in the field of women's health, there's such a lack of, uh, you know, a diverse set of interventions? That's a great question. I think, I mean, from my perspective, one of the reasons why, well, there's a couple, some are political, 
right? You have a lot of conditions that weren't recognized. Like this is actually National Endometriosis Month, um, at least when we're recording this. And endometriosis wasn't recognized as a disease until like mid to late 1900s. They thought women were just crazy and like complaining about pain or that they'd had some kind of like taboo experience in their life and like broken some kind of religious rule and they're being punished, you know? So there were all of these things that were not respected when they were coming out of women's mouths. So that's one is that I think from a science perspective, we're behind because there's lack of funding still in the areas of women's health. And so there's lack of understanding there. And I think there for a long time, there was lack of recognition of a problem. Um, And then secondarily, hormones, as you know, are really complex. And so when you, it's not just one thing to fix one thing, because as -hmm. soon as you change one hormone, what happens? Every other hormone at the party changes their behavior and things get thrown off. So, um, you know, that's the other thing that I'd add, it's just, it's a complex system. And what I find works is primarily lifestyle, which you don't make any money on when you're a pharma company. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 right, That makes a lot of sense. Makes a ton of sense. Well, what, when you're when you're dealing with couples who are trying to conceive, it can be quite challenging, especially if they've gone that conventional route and were unsuccessful. But in seeking help, there's somewhat of a gender bias with women often being the focus. How do you navigate that with clients? And is the approach different in females versus males? That's a great question. So yes, statistically, men and women are equal contributors to cases of infertility. So it's about 30% of cases that are kind of female driven, 30% are male driven, and the other 40% is a combination of factors from both partners. Mm-hmm. So there's equal responsibility there, but you're absolutely right, Patty. There's a an unequal distribution of like who carries the burden mm-hmm. for knowing fertility, for seeking out help for fertility, and carrying the burden of going through fertility treatments. And I find this in my own practice, even where it's a male factor fertility case, it's normally the woman who makes the appointment. It's the woman who brings their partner in and then who asks the questions, who manages the treatment plan. Like this isn't always the case, of course, but. (laughs) And not just for fertility either. I mean, that's like every condition. (laughs) Right, right. We know statistically women are like, isn't it like women are 70% of the healthcare consumer Mm -hmm. market? Cause that's just, it's part of kind of that ownership of household management, Mm -hmm. not just for kids, but oftentimes for partners too. Um, So in my own practice, one, I would like to say encourage, but I mean, require, but I really encourage both partners to be present, at least for the first visit. Um, That's like a no brainer. My intake paperwork covers both partners Um, and and that is not just for heterosexual couples, it's for same sex partners as well. Cause it's, even if it's only one partner carrying the pregnancy biologically, or like being associated with the pregnancy biologically, parenthood is a team process. And so it starts there. It starts when you're preparing. Uh, and so I really try to emphasize that it's really both partners that matter. Um, and that, you know, both partners need to put the work and the time in and support each other through that process. Yeah. And it's, I think the mind shift is also something that's, you know, it falls right in the wheelhouse of like functional medicine um, because we're spending so much more time, but then, you know, you have to have the buy-in of the partner, which I think historically has not always been, you know, something that was as common as, or even, you know, it's more common today than it, than it used to be to, to have both partners kind of understanding that not only from a biological perspective, like this is a team effort throughout across everything. So Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing that I talk about with both partners is that 
you know, while most fertility metrics are around pregnancies and live births, for me, there, there are more important things than that. It's pregnancy, it's live birth, and it's healthy child. And that's a big motivating factor for me to do infertility work is that, you know, I know you guys understand epigenetics and the majority of imprinting happens in the preconception and perinatal timeframe. And so, and there's actually studies showing that when they look at like elderly adults, the behavior their parents had during puberty and during the preconception and prenatal time has a greater influence on their health outcomes than anything they ever do in their entire lifetimes um, from a statistical perspective. So when I think about preventive medicine, like the three of us, we're in trouble, you know, our, our hands have been dealt, (laughs) but we can definitely positively impact the health of our children by being better prepared and making a healthiest possible egg and the healthiest possible sperm. So, you know, even with like sperm, for example, if you talk to a fertility clinic, they very rarely recommend any nutrients to support men's sperm, because as long as he makes one, that's all they think they need. But my perspective is, if you're only making one, what's the quality of that one? Mm -hmm. And if we can make you, you know, you can have more sperm and healthier sperm, what's the likelihood that the DNA inside of there, which is basically the table of contents and the the manufacturing guidelines for a human being, a bit complex and hard to understand, what are the chances that's going to be perfect if you're only making one sperm? It's not Mm -hmm. great. Right. So what can we make that better overall? That's interesting. I'd never really thought of it that way and you know having a higher sperm count essentially ensures that competition amongst the individual gametes so that the kind of the the most fit survival of the fittest is the yeah. one that's going to get there yeah. sort of like a free market comparison Mm -hmm. Um, the the GI track is often overlooked when it comes to couples uh, wanting to conceive so like what how do we think about the gut and is that really important in understanding our concepts of fertility what a great and controversial topic it's not like a natural fit like if you think about fertility you don't automatically necessarily think about the gut right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm But there's a couple of points where it's really important. First of all, did you know that like every part of the reproductive system for men and women has its own microbiome? Yeah, that's crazy. That is interesting. That's great. I mean, yeah, these things that we thought were sterile, right? Like the GI tract was always the one that was like, okay, we get it. There's bugs in the GI tract, but everything else is sterile. And it's like, "Eh, yeah, not in the bladder, not in the (laughs) uterus. Right, right, right. They're not. Even inside follicles, which are like pre-eggs, even inside follicles, follicular fluid has a microbiome. The placenta has a microbiome. The endometrium has a microbiome. Semen has a microbiome. So all of these things are critically important. And while they're not the same microbes that you find in the gut, the microbiome in the gut and actually predominantly in the oral cavity for women are critically important for setting the microbiome for the reproductive tract. So they've really got to be in balance, first of all, to encourage a healthy microbiome. The data on that is emerging. You know, it's something that is coming out more and more. We kind of know a lot more about the vaginal microbiome now, um, but all of those reproductive tract microbiomes, um, some we know causation around fertility numbers, and some are only at the point of association. And we don't really understand why, but we do know there's correlation between certain microbes and either good or bad fertility for men and women. So we're um, that's we're starting to learn, but the gut we know is really important. Yeah, um, and and the other thing besides the microbiome, 
is we think about nutrition. And most people, when they think about fertility, they think hormones, which, of course, is a main driver. I mean, that's true. And they're important. But optimizing nutrition is also a big key. So in your experience, what do you think is the most important nutritional aspect in preconception and in maintaining a pregnancy? Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. So like gut health is also critically important because if mm-hmm. you take all the supplements and good foods in True. the world, if you yeah. cross the gut barrier, the gut lining, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a few, I think there's some really common nutritional deficiencies that I see that we know have important ties to fertility. Um, those would be things like omega-3 fats, um, also vitamin D is a massive deficiency. And then other nutrients that are particularly important are things like vitamin C, zinc, selenium, vitamin E, vitamin A. Um, so some of those basic nutrients are critically important and that there are massive deficiencies. The other things nutritionally that are important are just getting a variety of foods. And I think that's probably the way to go with everybody. Mm-hmm. Nutritional recommendations I make, I like to keep them simple. It's basically eat whole foods, avoid processed foods, get organic as much as you can afford, uh, minimize dairy and sweets. You know, I think it's think of dairy like a condiment, you know, minimize sweets and sugars, and then eat a wide variety of foods and as many colors as you can possibly get in, in a week. I tell people to aim for 50 plants a week mm-hmm. if they can do it. It's kind of fun to keep track. I bet you guys <laughs> probably hit 75 or a hundred without even trying. I don't know. I don't know about that. Are tater tots a plant? Because that's all floating around in my house. Are there plants in in bagels, Michael? (laughs) Do you use ketchup, Michael? Because that could be too. I don't. Mayonnaise. (laughs) Well, do you test, Jacqueline? Do you use testing there? I do. I do a lot of nutritional testing. So I really love the NutriVal test. And actually from one of Michael's presentations, learned about the uh, metabolomics test, which is similar and slightly different, but urine based. And so I've started to use that a bit too, in cases where I can't get blood from patients, but it's one of my very favorite panels for couples that are trying to conceive because it provides such a wide array of information that you can take action on. And, and honestly, it covers every single kind of underlying functional element that leads to infertility Mm -hmm. of one cause or another. So it is hugely directive for my practice. And when patients come in with things like unexplained infertility, it's the very first place I start. Nice. Yeah. Well, and you know what you're saying too, about your approach to sort of dietary intervention also makes so much sense, not just from a nutritional competency standpoint, but also its impact on the microbiome, right? We know that that type of approach is going to create a greater microbiome diversity Mm -hmm. based on the food diversity which as you're saying, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong with this thought process, but that then turns and affects the other microbiomes that play a big role in fertility, it seems. Definitely. So it's microbiome. And then the other big thing I think about is all of the different like flavonoids and polyphenols and other um, antioxidant elements that come in colors Mm -hmm. and flavors in food. And a lot, the, basically the biggest underlying drivers for Um, decreased fertility are oxidative stress, um, carbonyl stress, which is when you have oxidative stress in a high blood sugar environment. Mm -hmm. And then lastly is um, mitochondrial dysfunction. So when you can get a wide variety of nutrients in, you really can hit a lot of the pathways that get negatively impacted, Right. uh, right. really make improvements with food. That makes total sense. Um, Another misconception out there is around exercise um, and our general approach, what it should be with respect to exercise and becoming pregnant and thinking that that might be concerning and detrimental to maintaining pregnancy. Can you talk a little bit about some of those myths uh, around exercise and pregnancy? 
I hear that all the time and it breaks my heart because exercise is so great for you, no matter what stage of life you're in, including when you're trying to conceive, when you're in early pregnancy, when you're in late pregnancy, when you're postpartum, except the first six weeks, um, really all exercise is good. So I really recommend exercise for everyone trying to conceive. One of the biggest benefits is just getting your blood flowing, getting your body moving. Um, it actually really improves blood flow to your pelvis when your legs move with things like walking even, uh, and that actually can improve fertility too. So exercise is fantastic. It's not a great time to decide to like train for a marathon for the first time, mm-hmm. but if you're a marathon runner, keep training, you know, it's not the time to push yourself and do a lot of new things you know, start a CrossFit program or anything like that, but you are absolutely safe to continue, even if it's high impact with the exercises that you're accustomed to doing. Um, If someone's new to exercise or they don't exercise at all, I generally recommend starting with what I would call restorative exercise, which is exercise that leaves you feeling refreshed versus depleted at the end of it. So instead of like a heavy lifting session, which might leave you depleted, things like walking and yoga are a great place to start. I love that. Uh, And speaking of yoga, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that you are the mother of seven children with a super busy career. What are some tips you could offer women when they're trying to find some semblance of an HPA balance? Not only trying to get pregnant, (laughs) just in life. Like, I can barely get to work without toothpaste on my shirt. And I listen to Jacqueline Smeaton, and I'm like, how do you do 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 that? How do you do it? Thank you. Well... Yeah, four children and three stepchildren. So we're like a busy, bustling family. Um, you know, I think that paying attention to your own health and your self care is super important, and you got to find what works for you. For me, uh, I would say the biggest thing is sleep. I like need seven. Excuse me, I need seven hours of sleep each night. If I get less than that, that's when my trouble starts for everybody, not just for me. Um, so sleep is really important. And then the other thing I think about is patterns in life. And you know, if you look at most traditional medicines, whether it's Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, every single like dosha, which is your kind of your type in Ayurvedic medicine, every single one thrives on a schedule for different reasons. Um, And so while I don't think everything should be scheduled, having a couple of things that are non-negotiables for you can really help with HPA function. So that might be the time you wake up in the morning, It might be the first time you eat during the day. It might be the time that you go to bed. It might be the time you turn off your devices. Um, But I think having certain things that you know you can put into a routine are really critical for long-term health. Plus herbs. I love herbs. Great advice. And tater tots. (laughs) That's what I would But you know what I just took from that? We need to have a dosha episode, Michael. Yeah. Right? We do. Let's do that. (laughs) Um, Well, so... Being the vice president of medical education for Emerson and uh, Wellevate, the go-to dispensary for sure for myself, Me too. for many of us and in functional us. medicine. Mm-hmm. I think we're Thank all familiar you. with Emerson. Um, but you guys recently want, launched uh, the Wellevate Labs platform. Can you tell us about what clinicians can expect when they go there? Yes, I'm so excited. I've literally, I've worked for Emerson for 11 years and begged for this for 10. Wow. Um, you know, this is something that I think can make be a huge time saver for, for customers, you know, and for healthcare practitioners, essentially the Wellevate platform is a place where you can build treatment plans for your patients um, and then send them to the patient electronically so that they can get the products that they need. They can see your plans, both the ones you sent today and historically. um, And it's just a great communication tool. We've put labs into that platform now too. So on top of ordering like 400 different professional supplement brands, 
Now we work with LabCorp and 16 different functional lab testing companies, and you can order from all of them in one place, Genova included. Um, you guys are top of my list. I come to you all the time. <laughs> offer everything, it feels like. Uh, and so you can put in the orders, like if you wanted to order LabCorp testing and Genova testing, you can put those both in in the platform. And then when the results come back, they all go to the same platform. So when you put your patient's name in in the Wellevate platform, you see all their results across all labs in one place. And so it really just streamlines the process. It's the same pricing as if you'd go direct. You know, we've got a, obviously a great relationship with you guys at Genova and our other labs to make it just really accessible and easy for patients and practitioners. Mm-hmm. We don't want we don't want like logistical barriers to doctors getting the information they need to make exactly. good decisions. Right, yeah, exactly. Right, right. And it's so handy to, <clears throat> I mean, we've had that luxury thanks to Emerson yep. with our, our ordering of, of various nutritional supplements, supplements yeah. whereas before, you know, used to have a Thorn account, used to have a Metagenics account, you know, mm-hmm. all these different things. Mm-hmm. And then now it's just, oh, I can, I can just go to one website and mm-hmm. have one portal and it's great. We love it. We mm-hmm. love it. Well, Dr. Jacqueline Chassis-Smeaton, this has been amazing. You know, we've known you for a long time. Finally, we were able to schedule on the podcast. You're such a busy woman. But we're so grateful that you spent time with us. And we want to encourage all of our listeners to check out everything that goes on over at Emerson Ecologics and Willowe and Jacqueline's online practice, Perfect Fertility. But it's actually changed. Sorry, Patty. It's HelloFertility.com. It's changed. Perfect. HelloFertility.com. Excellent. Excellent. Um, But before we let you go, we do have one last question that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. Right. This is called the fireball. It's a ridiculous question that has no connection to anything we just talked about. (laughs) Um, And if you are ready, the question that I'm posing to you is, do you have a favorite animal and what is it? Why? Oh my gosh! Wild yeah. animal. Like, wild, wild, animal. wild animal. Not. I mean, it could be a cat. You could, be. If you like cats, that's cool. You can say. They, might, they get I think, wild. Yeah. Well, mine's like wild, but not really wild. It's a koala bear Aww. because they are like amazing. They're like really family oriented, and they're so dang cute. They're not so much like party animals though. But that's me. You know, I would rather like hang in a tree and eat bamboo all day, and you know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> and have the little ones like hanging on, crawling That's right. over. That's pretty much my life right now. So, I yeah. love it. That is fitting. That is fitting. Well, Dr. Jacqueline Chassis Smeaton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everyone check out hellofertility.com and hopefully you'll agree to come back because we have lots of questions for, for sure. you. Love to. Thanks so much. I have to say, these concepts where we're talking about like transgenerational epigenetics and health outcomes and Yikes, like spooky, things that your grandfather did mm-hmm. while he was like reading the, the newspaper has an effect on your future offspring three generations from now. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like at a certain point, you're like, uh, I don't know what to do with any of that, but it doesn't sound good for my lineage. Yeah. Oh, for many reasons, but it's almost unfair, right? You have no control over these things. Yeah. And now yet it can have an epigenetic influence on your current day to day is very strange. The other thing that she talked about, I found very fascinating is she's right in women's hormones. And when women go to a, a, a conventional doctor with any type of hormonal complaint, they get oral contraceptive pills. Or mm-hmm. if you have fertility problems, they send you for in vitro fertilization. Mm-hmm. So she's right. We're just way behind on this. Yeah, and I mean, when I hear her talking about how her some of the hypotheses around why that might be being the fact that for so long, we essentially just assumed as a medical field that it was somatic, you know, it was psychosomatic manifestations Mm -hmm. and the fact that we didn't even recognize that 
women were telling the truth about their pain with respect to endometriosis is just, it's so shocking, you know, right. when you think about right. it, especially from today's standards and that fact that it's still having such a profound effect. Um, yeah, it's and amazing. It, and it's why the work she's doing is so important. And we're so glad to have her voice in the integrative and precision medicine space. She's also right about koalas. Totally. Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Dom D'Agostino. Yeah, he's back. I guess we can consider him a friend of the podcast now. I mean, we can consider it. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean he considers it we'll or makes him. it true. I mean, you've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. What's, what's that little grin you got going I've on I've just there? been thinking about how often you hear either on a podcast or some other media that, you know, this is the best thing or uh-huh. the number one yeah. or like the highest rated in a particular market. And there's no way of fact checking any of that. Right. So we can just create our own buzz and say we're the exactly. number one podcast. Did in you know? Medicine. Yeah. Go that ahead. we are absolutely the number one health and wellness show in the greater <laughs> Winnipeg area. Did you know that? I know now. Winnipeg, we love you too. <laughs> <laughs>